How should you negotiate common contract elements in your managed services agreement? That's the topic of today's conversation on the MSP Zone. You are entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Hey, everybody. Hope you are all doing fantastic. It is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And all this month at MSP Alliance, we are promoting and talking about issues that are important for cybersecurity hygiene. Um, and although today we're talking a little bit about, uh, you know, not a little, but we're talking a lot about uh, legal uh, topics, it does certainly involve um, cybersecurity awareness and hygiene. We're going to get to that at the end of today's uh, podcast. But leading into it, and, and you'll see how it, how it uh, matches up, um, we're starting off a series uh, today uh, that is going to talk about common MSP contract negotiation issues, and they come up a lot. Now, it may differ MSP to MSP. Uh, It may differ on the type of uh, contracts you have. It may differ uh, depending on the type of services you have, the type of customers you have, and and their unique uh, requirements and requests. But it always comes up, and our guest today... um, uh, joining us again uh, from the great state of Texas, Rob Scott, who's going to be walking us through some of uh, the more frequently requested contract negotiation issues and how to resolve them um, in a favorable way. Rob, uh, how's everything doing down in Texas today? This is prime time in Texas. You know, October is the best month in, in North Texas. The weather is perfect sun is shining and uh, people are uh, working and jamming up the highways because there's lots of traffic, but everything is going well here in Texas. Good to hear. And I, I heard not too long ago, you had a birthday. So happy birthday to you. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate that. So, so Rob, I know we have some very exciting news at the end of the, of the program today, but just jumping right into um, our, our uh, series, the, the, the first, it seems a little bit odd to talk about term and termination, but those are common things that come up in, a, in the sales cycle, right, of, of a managed services agreement and relationship. It's very common to talk about, you know, how do we end the relationship? I mean, before we get into the specifics, do you have any thoughts about that as a concept? Yeah, I think term is important because... Yeah, monthly recurring revenue, multiple year contracts as part of the attractiveness and the basis for the tremendous growth in managed services. So we recommend to our clients to offer uh, a base of a three-year managed services contract and offer uh, one-year and month-to-month contracts at a premium of 20 and 25% uh, increase, respectively. And so the term is wildly important because that uh, specifies how long the customer is going to be committed to the terms of the service. And as many people know, in managed services, you know, frequently 
there are many months to break even. And so if you have a customer that can cancel for convenience without any liquidated damages provision, you putting yourself in a situation where you might not make any money. So it is important to, and, and I, don't, I don't know if it's regardless of whether or not you do month to month, whether you do one year or you do multi-year, you do want to have some language in your agreements, um, in your agreement with your customers that talks about how long the term of the agreement is and, and like renewal. So your, gener- your first advice is you have options as an MSP, month to month or multi-year, think about it, think how it factors into your business model and then make sure it's reflected in the agreement first and foremost. That's correct. Okay. When, when you, I hear a lot about, my first question to you is um, evergreen clauses, right? You and I know what that means. The, the rest of the term, the rest of the world may not be familiar with that as a, as a legal contract concept, but I, I hear a lot of MSPs rely on the fact that they have evergreen clauses in their managed services agreements. What are they for people that don't know and should you use them? Evergreen is a term is a, is a, is a, a term that uh, doesn't have a set expiration date. It, it's, it's good until canceled. Uh, you know, the agreement stays in place until one of the parties uh, provides written notice of cancellation. And is it a, whether or not it's common, do you, do you, do you like that? Or would you rather have a set term that, ha- that forces a renewal discussion? It, it depends on the agreement. You know, we set up our master terms to be evergreen, but we, we set up our service attachment terms to be, you know, uh, defined term, you know, typically three years is what's recommended, but it could also be one year or month to month. But the idea is that um, we only use evergreen contracts for the master terms. And then all of the other services have a specified term and, you know, a clear effective or commencement date. And then, you know, you mentioned renewals. There's a number of ways to handle it. You know, there's the auto renew that it just renews automatically. And then there's the uh, non-auto renew, which is, you know, it, it expires on, at, at the term. Uh, you could also renew, auto renew to month to month, or you can auto renew for an additional year. And, and I prefer the auto renew for an additional year as opposed to converting from a fixed term to a um, um number of months, uh, you know, month to month. I, I, I don't care for month to month in managed services at all. But these are, these are business decisions that regardless of what that decision is, can and ought to be codified, meaning written into the, the agreement. Correct. Yeah. Look, the term of the contract is one of the essential terms of a contract. You know, how long, how long is it? What is the term? Uh, the, the only thing that I could think of is more fundamental to a contract than the term is the price. So the answer is yes, it must be um, clearly documented in the agreement. And, and we're, and look, we're, I know we're straddling 
defense of legal and sales tactics, but they're, they're not always easy to separate uh, for obvious reasons. So I, I, I do want to bring these topics up, but know that, you know, we, we can, we have talked about and probably will in the future talk about sales tactics that involve things like term, um, term of the agreement. So regardless of you're on monthly, you're on yearly, re- renewal evergreen clauses are, are fine. Know how they impact, I'm assuming, your sales cycle and just make sure that it accurately reflects what your sales and marketing people are actually saying, I imagine, is, is very important. That's correct. And then, and then, you know, once the term is established, if it's anything other than month to month, then you get into the circumstances under which uh, the client can cancel for convenience and whether or not there will be a, a, uh, a fee, a, an early termination fee, and how it will be calculated. Because in the end, those provisions are what give teeth to the customer's commitment to a long-term contract. That's a great segue into uh, termination. And there are a couple of common termination models out there. Uh, Rob, you know, I'm thinking specifically of convenience and and for cause. Could you give us a brief uh, description for for those people not familiar with this? What what is the termination? Termination for cause is something that is included in almost every managed services contract, which says if um, there is a, a failure of the service and, and, you know, that needs to be defined, you know, but if, if one of the grounds that's listed for cause, you know, they stop doing business, they become insolvent, uh, you know, the, the, the persistent failures of SLAs that are unremediated, unre- uh, then the, the customer gives notice of cancellation and the cancellation can happen with no termination fee if it's for cause. In other words, the fault of the provider. Right. Termination for convenience is a, is a separate concept that says uh, maybe the customer got a cheaper price from another vendor or maybe the customer decided to hire a resource internally or, or maybe um, the customer uh, has a personality conflict with one of the providers, but it doesn't rise to the level of cause under the contract. Well, they can then terminate uh, on, you know, the notice period that's specified in the agreement, typically 60 days, and pay an early termination fee, which is equal to some percentage of the fees that would be collected to the end of the term if there was no cancellation. And we recommend 50%. So it's better to so so structuring these things regardless of the term having a convenience and for clause for cause termination and assigning dollar values for each of those is really important for, based on what very, I'm hearing. Very important. You know what is the effect of termination is what we're talking about now. Effect of termination depends on the reason for the termination. If the termination is for cause, then the customer pays everything that it owes, uh, you know, through the time of the termination and doesn't have to pay an early termination fee. If the termination is for convenience, 
a lower price, a, a change in strategy, a downsizing, a sale of the business, whatever, then the t- early termination fee uh, should be set forth in the effective termination section of the agreement. And as I said, we recommend using 50%. Some people say 75. I've seen some that say 100%. Uh, and we recommend for enforceability reasons that our clients don't exceed 50%. Okay. So if you are out there taking notes saying, all right, I got I to gotta go talk to our lawyer and make these changes. I think you have options, right? I, that, that's the number one thing. You have options. Just make sure they're well drafted in your agreement. I, I think, Rob, having these fee, these fees for cause or convenience termination are useful because it gives, like you said, teeth to the agreement and to the relationship so that it's not just a, oh, you can get out of it and, and you know, only the MSP is going to be harmed, right? You, the customer, will never be harmed. I, I think that that's unfair. Um, I, you know, lo- we've long thought in the industry that that's unfair. But I, I want to go back to this idea of the term length because that seems to get um, hung up in a lot of MSPs when they when they talk about term of the contract with valuation of their company. And I, I again, I don't want to introduce valuation necessarily here, but but I think it's worth a footnote. I, I think, and, and tell me what you thought. think of this, that there, there's been a shift in the age-old theory that the longer the contract term of the MSP agreement, the more valuable it is, and hence the more value in, in inherited by the MSP. And I think that that has gone away to the longer the relationship with the customer that is more impactful on the value of the of the MSP business, and it's not necessarily whether you have a five year agreement or you have a month to month. What are your thoughts on that theory? I think the I think you want both. I think you want the best long term contract you can have, and a history of customer retention, because even you know, and again. I'm saying take the business that has good retention, right? Should they, should they have longer term contract? Would they be better off with longer term contracts versus shorter term contracts? Assuming there's pricing flexibility. The answer is yes. A longer term contract with no pricing flexibility could be a liability, not an asset. Definitely. I could see that. Yeah. So, so, but, but I, I don't want to, leave the impression that for valuation purposes, the existence of long-term contracts with pricing flexibility will not add value to a business uh, that already has good retention. You know, okay. the, the, you know, as, as you take, as you find that cut that client, right, that prospective client, they're either going to have good retention or they're not. I think everybody's going to benefit in a, in a valuation perspective from having good long-term contracts with customers. If in reality, their customers are trying to get out and most of their customers are in disputes with them over why they had to cancel, then that business isn't worth very much. So you should have both termination for cause and convenience. And how would you structure it 
and what are the limitations of the, what are the common pushbacks that a MSP would typically, like what, what do you see without naming names, obviously, what do you typically see in termination um, uh, negotiations? Well, a couple things. One is sometimes end users negotiate to expand the definition of cause all the way to satisfaction. So yeah. they, it, they, it's indistinguishable whether it's for cause or for convenience. It's, yeah, it's it, it grounds for causes. I'm not happy. Customer is unhappy. And so that I would say if you, if you get a customer going that far with what they want to call cause, that's too far. Um, the other thing that we see is, you know, customers want to be able to cancel for convenience without any early termination fee. To which I say, that's month to month. <laughs> that's not a contract for a term. And if I can, if you can cancel a contract for convenience with no penalty, then the term that's in the agreement is irrelevant. That's just a month to month contract. And we could offer you that, but not at this price. Is there ever a reason why you would consolidate the cause and convenience termination language? Like in that scenario you just gave where the customer's really pushing back. Is there a reason why you would collapse the two into one and just negotiate only on the amount to be paid? You can, but, but, the, but a customer is not likely to want to have to pay anything to get out for cause. So that's really why they're negotiating. They're, they're negotiating not for the, the, the definition of cause or convenience. They're negotiating for a, the lowest rate penalty for termination possible. Did, did I say that right? They want to be, first and foremost, they want to be able to get out if the service is bad, like objectively bad. Like, right. Right. So, and that's reasonable. They shouldn't have to pay to exit if the service is below you know, what, what the, you know, what would be, you know, the big, the business is insolvent, the, you know, the, they, you know, it, the, it's being, you know, in bankruptcy for the, you know, for creditors and, you know, there's no service. And you, when you call the help desk, nobody answers, you know, those, those types of things, you know, the customer's not going to want to pay anything. So, so you really, it's kind of a non-starter to tell a customer you got to pay to get out, even if it's for costs. So then the discussion is, okay, you know, what do you, what is it, if it's, if it's for convenience, then what would we pay? So in your opinion, um, having the two clause, termination clauses set in your template, having it, you know, kind of standardized, is it something that you do encourage negotiation? Is it just a fact of life or is it something, and I'm assuming these termination clauses, are they in the master service agreement or in the service Agreement. They're both. Yeah. So the way we set up the master is the master is evergreen and the customer can terminate it at any time, but a termination of the master doesn't come into effect until the end of any service period for any then active service attachment. So there's term and termination language both in the master and in the service agreements as well. Got it. And would you say that this is one of the more commonly contested areas of a managed services 
agreement is this termination section and the related clauses um, that associate it? Uh, I, I, I would say that the, the right to terminate, the effect of termination, and you know whether there's a termination fee and what it is are, are uh, fairly heavily negotiated. I mean, these are these are key key components to a managed services agreement. Typically, you know, when you're talking about a long-term contract, your customer is going to want to know what what if I need to get out. Yeah, I I, I get it. Um, kn- knowing the fast-paced nature of you know some sales processes, um, it's not likely that they're going to want to have you know, like Scott and Scott present in every single sales process, you know, helping out with negotiations. But at some point, there's got to be some latitude that the salespeople, that the company has, the MSP company, that is, in making changes to the agreement. Uh, number one, is that true? And then number two, and then what's the what's the trigger for, whoa, this this that request is now for termination. That's now a legal matter. And what guidance can you give to the MSPs on that? So the the business issues are what is the term? Uh, what is the effect of termination in terms of you know a percentage of the fees? You know, I mentioned I recommend fifty. You know, some people may choose seventy five. Some people may use a hundred. Um, so those are business issues. You know, what percentage of the uh, unearned revenue will be um, there? And I think the client, you know, that's a business issue. Clients can negotiate on that if they want to. Um, the where you get into legal grounds is like when people want to start adding things to the definition of grounds or when they want to. Um, you know, not pay an early termination fee for canceling for convenience. You know, those would be significant legal changes that should be reviewed by counsel before agreeing to them. So uh, just to tidy things up, if you are an MSP and you, and this is assuming that you have that structure of you have a master service agreement with your general terms and conditions that, is, is evergreen, as Rob said. And then you have a service agreement or service attachment that has the more precise, you know, specific to each project or customer that you have, different t- terms. You should have a pretty good idea of what your salespeople are authorized to negotiate, what those boundaries are, and then make sure that that is always updated into the agreement. And obviously before someone with authority signs it, you know, you guys read those um, those those changes very carefully. Um, Rob, I'm assuming that's a fairly common practice uh, in the MSPs that you work with. That's correct. Very common. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, I mean, look, we. I, I hope you guys got something out of it, which is term and termination, renewal. All of those are. It's a simple and it's a fairly small, um, you know, section of, of most agreements, but, you know, it's really important. I mean, what if you listen to what Rob said, it, it can really impact pricing. It can impact, you know, termination fees. It, it can impact how, you know, what your sales closure rates are. There's a lot of, a lot at stake, a lot of, a lot riding on that one thing related to term. 
Um, and it, Rob, your your standard. I mean, you don't have a standard, do you? I mean, do you do you modify your termination clauses for your you know MSPs that come to you based on a set of questions you ask them, or I mean, or do you just recommend one one standard way? No, we, we, we talked it through with the clients. I mean, and not dissimilarly to the way we've discussed the issues today. And, and, um, you know, our, if, if you, if you hire us to draft contracts for you, you're probably going to see 50% as the early termination fee. Um, and that's been in addition to that, any out of pockets that you have to incur, it would be on top of that. But, uh, so no, we, we talk it through. This is all, like you said, you know, there's a mix of business, you know, sales and legal here. And my goal is to give the clients the opportunity to understand what the business issues are and how they relate to the legal points. Uh, the one thing I do want to mention, Charlie, is in light of ch changes in the labor market recently, you know, renewal pricing and, and the ability to escalate prices during the term of an agreement are critically important as well. So it's the term determination and the renewal, but also renewal pricing is a huge topic now uh, because of uh, wage inflation, difficulties with um, uh, the labor markets uh, and, and what we've seen just in terms of uh, inflation in, in the delivery of the services, the costs associated with delivering services, you know, those, you know, renewal pricing and the ability to escalate pricing on an annual basis are critically important as well. Yeah, I mean, that, I I hadn't thought about that, but that that's uh, that's super critical. That you you want you want as an MSP to be able to have that flexibility without you yourself being hedged in in, in such a way that you are confined and and therefore maybe losing margin or or hope, you know, worse worst case losing money because you, you you couldn't price it accordingly. Yeah, and, and in the past, we've seen, you know, uh, price escalation provisions that are tied to cost of living increases. And more recently, we're using, you know, much higher percentages than we've seen in the past. You know, what I've seen is uh, 3 to 8% being typical. And uh, many of our clients uh, that we've been working with more recently are uh, choosing to pick the higher end of the range, many at you know, up to 10%, you know, the right to increase uh, contract prices up to 10% per year, um, which, you know, in, in this market makes sense to me, but in previous markets would have been perceived as being very high. Yeah, absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. If you have questions, obviously, you know, reach out to Rob. He and his team do amazing work, um, you know, represent a lot of MSP Alliance members. And, um, you know, he's, he's been a fixture in the MSP world and the MSP Alliance community for, for so long. I mean, 20, 20 years, coming up on 20 years. Jeez, could we be that old, Rob? 20 you know, years. My, fr my friend said, I don't feel old, but I've seen the pictures. <laughs> I like that. So now it's time to um, uh, make good on that tease we, we did at the beginning of the episode where we're going to talk about uh, some very exciting changes um, that we have coming up. As, as a lot of you know, this summer, you know, we had some pretty noteworthy high profile ransomware cases that hit the, the MSP community, meaning the 
MSPs and their vendors. And the MSP Alliance is working very uh, hard to address the things that we can control and things that we think can make the MSP community better. And that also includes making managed services better to those who consume it. And one of those areas obviously impacts um, legal contracts. And, you know, we've been talking a lot. Uh, Rob and his firm at Scott & Scott have been doing, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of work with MSPs all over on helping them get good contracts um, reviewed, updated, and for those that didn't have them at all, you know, creating them out of, out of whole cloth. Um, that's not going to change. And, and Rob, I don't want to maybe say that. You, you could probably do a little bit better job of just talking about kind of the, the first step of, of what we're going to be announcing here today with this, um, with this new document. You want to take a stab at it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, after, you know, maybe 12 to 13 years of prodding by Charles, um, Scott and Scott and the MSP Alliance have entered into an exciting program that will make uh, the uh, Scott and Scott MSP contract templates available for licensing from the members without the need to specifically engage Scott and Scott for any legal services. Of course, we'll still be there and available for anybody who has questions and needs legal services, but these documents could be licensed by people who have their own lawyers that they want to review them or um, uh, maybe have in-house attorneys or a relationship with another attorney and don't necessarily want to uh, hire Scott and Scott, but want to benefit from all of our uh, experience and, and what we've included in our documents. And these documents are, are going to be mapped to the verification program. So anybody who's interested in going through the verification program can rest assured that the uh, MSP Alliance uh, contract stack will, will, will meet the needs of the verification program from a contractual perspective. And the first document that we're making available in the library is a response to the ransomware situation that uh, Charles alluded to. And it is uh, a schedule of third-party service providers. This is a template to be used as an attachment to an MSP's either managed services contract or master services agreement. It could be sent, set up as an addendum to existing contracts. And what this document does is it specifically lists all of the third-party service providers that the MSP is going to give access of data or involved in delivering the services. It discloses uh, the terms and conditions that will be applicable to that vendor's uh, tools. And it, it shows the privacy policy from that vendor. And it's specifically in bold-faced lettering and in, in a clear way, in an unequivocal way, has the customer agree to hold the MSP harmless for any failures of third-party service providers. And this is, I think, an important component to have. If you think about the facts of the Kaseya case, you know, that MSP uh, probably didn't have an adequate waiver from the customer to um, really protect itself from uh, a claim caused, you know, potentially by Kaseya, but for which the customer was harmed. And this schedule of third-party services will be made available for download. 
through the MSP Alliance. And uh, we're offering it at a, a very special introductory price of $99. And uh, for that $99, you'll receive a uh, editable Word document that you can take and, and adapt and update, work with your attorney uh, to get it incorporated into your customer agreements. And we think that uh, those that um, uh, do so will be in a much better position from a perspective of mitigating liability uh, associated with failures of third-party solutions, such as what appears to have happened in the Kaseya incident. So, uh, I don't know if all of you guys realize what just happened, but if you are worried about how to communicate third-party risk that you as, as an MSP and your customers uh, inherit, then this document is what you need. And implementing this document in your other agreements, as Rob just said, is so critical. And that's one of many. One of This isn't the only thing we're going to do, but this is a, a very important step of, of trying to equalize the risk that um, is out there uh, due to cyber attacks. And we want to make sure that everybody's safe. MSPs, customers, and vendors alike. And so um, if you are interested in obtaining this, uh, this template, uh, it's, very, it, it's, it's very nice. I've seen it. it it's, it's so simple to use and, and so simple to update and very elegant in its approach of describing um, kind of who you use and making sure that those customers, as Rob said, understand that that's, you know, that that's, that's additional separate risk from what you as an MSP are, are doing because it's obviously not in your control. Send us an email at mspzone at mspalliance.com. Let us know that you're interested in that template. We will um, send you instructions on how to obtain it. And then if you want to have your legal counsel take a look at it, it's pretty simple. But if you want to have the folks at Scott & Scott, they're obviously the ones that created it. They understand this stuff backwards and forwards. Um, you can always reach out to them. and There'll be instructions on how to, to do that as well. Um, Rob, this is so exciting. Uh, I know we've talked about it for years. It's finally happening. And it's I'm, I'm excited about not just today, but all the things that we have coming, you know, that that haven't been announced yet. That's the that's exciting stuff for me. Well, absolutely, and I, and I think just for everybody who's interested and, and and wants to keep an eye on the progress here, you know, this template is going to be made available now, and by the end of the year, we expect to have the core managed services contracting platform available to be a, a license from the MSP Alliance. And so we're working hard to get all those libraries together and uh, working with the MSP Alliance on how we're going to efficiently deliver those. And so it's going to be very exciting. Uh, we're going to have the most comprehensive set of managed services, customer contracts available, and uh, they're going to be mapped very specifically to the MSP Verify program, which will be unique in the marketplace and in, in that uh you'll have customer contracts that are, are very closely tailored to the verification program. And I, and I think that um, it, it's a unique offering, and I'm very excited to be doing it with the MSP Alliance. 
Well, there you have it, folks. Um, I hope you took this uh, episode um, seriously. I hope it was helpful for you. If you have questions for us, again, MSPZone at MSPAlliance.com. If you want to reach out to Rob directly, uh, he's always available and loves to, to, to get your emails and schedule time. But we love to hear your feedback. But, but take some of these things to heart. Use them in your practice. It can make a very big difference about how you price, how you market, how you sell and close deals. And the, the obvious thing is we want you to be closing more business, but doing it in a safe way and something that protects your MSP business, not lends it to further risk. That's all we have today. Rob, thank you very much for joining us on the program again. Charles, always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. And that's it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.